Hello once again, I'm Dr. Mike Edwards, CEO of the Schuster Center, and we're live at the Ruby's Marlin Bar with a special guest today, recording live in front of a studio audience. We have with us, as always, Dr. Robert Thornton from Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis. He was born there. He was there? Yep. I think he retired there, too. He's still there. He's still there. I know he's alive. He's there. And you know who I am. Dr. Michael Edwards from St. Louis, Missouri. But who have we got with us today, Rob? Dr. Amanda Miller. And Dr. Miller, where are you from? I'm from Union City, Michigan. And I am practicing in Union, Missouri. How cool is that? that Yeah, and I know today that you had Union City Barbecue. No, I did not. Oh, you didn't? didn't. Where'd you guys go? You (laughs) lied to me. Um, We actually went to Johnny's. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was good. Johnny's is great. Johnny and I have a history. Yeah, you told me about Johnny. Yeah. We didn't so, see him. Have you been to Johnny's, Rob? We go to Johnny's every time I'm here. Oh, we do not. Yes, we do. No, we that don't. and Pasta House. Pasta House is good. We don't go to Johnny's every time we're here. Well, every other time. Well, we need to do a. We need to have Mazda do a food review there. You got your buttons off again. Who's Olivia? (laughs) No, it's my other daughter. Oh, happy Olivia. Johnny has an award-winning chili, but I still don't know what contest he won. (laughs) And I'm having. I have a feeling it was a family reunion, (laughs) and maybe there were two chilies. It needs to be spicier. Yeah. Pretty bland. So uh, here we are at NPE2. Okay, this is the special course at the Schuster Center where we show videos. And you did a great job. Well, thank you. Didn't you didn't get to see it, Rob? A little lengthy. No, she did. Was working downstairs. No, for early on in this work, you did outstanding. So, what? How would you describe? You know, the first. How long have you been in the program? Since December of 2020. So almost a year. So, how would you describe the the first nine months, ten months? Life-changing, really. I mean, career-changing. Oh, so? It's taught me to see dentistry in a completely different way. I mean, I'm seeing it now in a way that I've never been presented before on how to care for patients, how to build relationships with patients has been the big thing, I think, that you've taught me and taught us, my team. And that's something that you all, you know, whenever I first met you guys, that was really important to you. Yes. And you both do it really naturally. But how is it different now or in the future how do you see it being different than what it was in the past i'm a lot more conscious so there are so many things that i was doing that i think weren't really catering to the patients that not not that it was really bad for their care but now i'm able to hone in on what is the best way to connect with people where it's about them and then it's not so much about things that are irrelevant it's it's really focused on them what are the things that we would say were irrelevant that got in the way? <laughs> well, my own talking, maybe a time or two. That was two is all. Just just little things that I you know, little comments that I would put in on on conversations that I don't think I needed to. I think I needed to focus more on the patient, their care, and what they're there for, and what they want. So and I didn't ask- never learn to ask those questions, especially in the way that you've taught us on mm-hmm. how how to formulate a question, how to think of a picture in your mind of what the patient's telling you and how, how their experiences have been with dentistry and how it's shaped who they are, what they want. That's, that's been a big thing. How would you say your model of business affects your ability to connect with people? Because when I, when I first met you guys, it was far different than it is now. Yes. 
I so think tell me about that. You, at least I, couldn't focus on people until I knew that the business side of things was taken care of. So I couldn't focus on the relationships until I knew that money was under control and time was more under control. We were organized and we were working together. We were working together really well as a team before, but it's, it's a lot better now. Definitely, it's, we're more connected. And I think that once those things are out of the way, it just opens up a whole new world to be able to really, really take care of people and focus on them a lot more because you're not distracted by all the other things. You're not worried about, oh, I'm, I see this patient and I feel like, you know, I need to present all this treatment to them. I need to get this done. You know, I need to fill my schedule or all these pressures that normally you think of in dentistry. But when that goes away, then you can really focus on people. Mm, good. What is the future hold for you? What are you, what are you hoping to have in a year or two years from now? I'm hoping to be free of insurance is one big thing. Not that that's the number one focus, but that's a, that's a big focus. Um, when that happens, what's it going to allow you to do? Why is that important? It's important because I don't feel I can care for people the way I want to. I am held down by insurance. If so that's, how do they hold you down? How are they holding you back? They hold back from covering things that I think are best for patients. They hold back by dictating treatment plans and holding back how much they pay you. There's a lot of things. I think we talked today that the amount you're writing off, it takes about a week and a half a month just to pay that. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of money every year. And you'd probably rather take a week and a half off each month <laughs> well, you know, and be with those young we kids. we all? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, there's a lot that I could do if that was out of the way. And I think there's ways I could invest back in the practice that could lead to better patient care. There's things that I could, there's training I could have that could make the outcomes better for them. Then I would be, I wouldn't just be seeing things that I feel like I can't fix that even though I know what's wrong. And that bothers me. I'm not the type of person that's complacent with that. I'm not okay with seeing a patient have a problem and I feel like I can't help them. That's really hard because then I'm like, what happens if we watch it? What happens if we let it get worse? What what's their life going to be like? And even though they don't know about that, they might not know what the outcome would be, but I That's feel like That's the tough that thing is once you is, know what you, can't you don't know. It. Yeah. Once you, what, what, you know, the nice part, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember this guy uh, I met many years ago from Texas and I think he was something really big in the ADA. And I asked him what kind of continued education he did. And he goes, I went to one seminar at Panky. And I go, and what happened? He goes, I found out you could screw somebody up with one crown but the occlusion wasn't right. I go, so what'd you do? He goes, I stopped taking classes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, when you don't know what you don't know, that's all right. That's you all feel right. pretty good about yourself. But yeah. once you know what you don't know, that's Never not a good back. place. That's, that's some tension yeah. there. Yeah. So what, what do you think's next for you? What, what do you think you want to do in three and five years? What kind of things you want to study? What do you think's going to be important for you in your practice? I think what's important to me is to definitely get the basics down where I feel I already feel like I'm confident in restorative dentistry. Um, I'm pretty confident in implant restorations, but occlusion, TMJ type stuff, that's what I think is next. What I'd be like, I'd like to be able to help patients that have those issues. I see those issues every day, so I think it's what I'm seeing the most that I feel like is within reach of what I could do is what I'd like to fix next cool and you know it's it's kind of neat that robert's here because robert has been through the obi foundation the texas center for occlusion and robert when we first met you'd, you'd spent how much you think that all cost to go through that education program both of them 
And, and add in the time out of the office and travel and everything. Oh, I, I, that's, that'd be hard to put a number. It's got to be over $100,000, I would say. Time of the office, the classes, the equipment that you have to buy along with that. So easily $100,000, maybe more. Well, I'm just assuming that you did a lot of those cases once you graduated from those programs and it paid for itself. Yeah, a total of about two to three cases over probably four to five years. How much were the cases? Uh, not the, didn't cover the $100,000 <laughs> I spent on everything. So, so maybe it didn't even break even at that point. So what do you think got in the way? Probably my, absolutely know exactly what got in the way. My ability to communicate what we were trying to accomplish with the patients and then also kind to to show them what this would do for their life and how much better that would be for them long term not just short term but long term now where did you and i first meet was it at a red sea workshop no the first time we met pc PC and scottsdale so performance Uh, coach is a program at the schuster center once people graduate the management program and it's a way to stay engaged in a community of people, like-minded people. And in addition to masterminding twice a month, we also meet for two three-day retreats during the year. Yeah. So it, go ahead. It was my way to get back in after doing all the technical training to get back to to a group of people that was like-minded and was trying to move in the same direction I was with their practice and for their patients. And I think uh, I heard you talk one time about what you'd been through. I mean, that, about the book that you were writing, The Red Sea. So I was waiting for it to come out to read it. Oh, so I hadn't published it yet? No, no. You were just you were just starting that, that aspect. I of was it, stuck right? on chapter four. I'm sure. Uh, well, what was part one, part two. <laughs> <laughs> what was chapter four? That's right. Everybody's got four chapters. Chapter four in chapters. Them. Okay. Then about that same time, Doctor Schuster had announced his retirement. And then me and one of the younger guys in the PC group kind of got to talking, like, where are we going to go from here once Doc Schuster retires? And he said, well, I'm supposed to be going out to the big town of Union, Missouri, for a Red Sea workshop. And I'm like, well, I'm going to see if I can get in there. Of course, I called you. Dr. Michael Edwards from St. Louis, Missouri. (laughs) So I called you, and you didn't know me from anybody. (laughs) And I begged you, could I come, even though the class was full? So I showed up. That's right. I, I remember that up, now. I remember I the class up, was filled, and you asked me to come. And I, I and squeezed I said, okay. in, and we were in a small room downstairs. I don't think I could fully upstairs. understand what you were asking, actually, uh, asked with the I accent and everything. Here I didn't we know. go. <laughs> you agreed, and then you were like, Google Translate wasn't working, but I just heard class, and a day I didn't know what you were saying. So uh, come on up. And you let me drive up, and I came, and... <laughs> Then it was a long relationship, a long mentorship, and I don't think I've missed a Red Sea since. You've been to every Red Sea since. Now, I remember it. Now, here's what I do remember. So, Robert, you know, he's been through two of these programs. Most of the cases he did were in the residency, right? Residency, yep. So, you, I mean, you got to do a case to get through it. So, you don't get paid full fee usually. No. Usually, you make a I, deal. I don't think I charge anything for those cases. <laughs> All right. So... Hundred grand in the tank, couple cases, but they were done for free or very low cost. Yeah, one was my dad. Of course, it was free. All right, <laughs> one was daddy. So, uh, so he goes to the Red Sea, a couple of the Red Seas, and I remember saying to him, "I go, let's set some outcomes that you want for the next year. How many cases do you want to have going?" And he goes, eight. I go, eight cases, that's it. I go, I feel like we want to do 16. He goes, oh, I could never do 16. I go, then we're going to do 20. And he goes, oh, no, nope, 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 I couldn't do 20. So about three months later, I call him. 
And I go, how many cases you got going? And it was over 20. I think it was 24. It's like 24 cases you got going. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. It was really amazing. At some yeah. step in the process, there was 24, whether we were in the Mago or Invisalign or, or something. It was 24 wow. cases. Yeah. yeah. 20, so, you know, you, you, it may not be, when we talk about a case, this is the thing. When we talk about full mouth dentistry, it's really just looking at the entire chewing system, not just, one, not just the problems of the teeth. And so often, if I say full mouth dentistry, people think it's 28 crowns. It's not 28 mm-hmm. crowns. It could be additive. It could be reductive coronoplasty, additive or coronoplasty. It could be Invisalign and then some minor recontouring, you know, to get the chewing system right. It doesn't have to be 28 crowns. It could be, it could be a few crowns and a partial. There's so many ways to do it. I prefer but the lesser cases than the yeah, bigger cases. No kidding. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the thing. You're just really taking care of a person wherever they are. And you're helping them. If people have a choice, they don't always just want their problems fixed. Sometimes they want something more than that if they know what's possible or what's available and if they know where they are. Because in medicine, we say yes to things all the time that we don't understand. In fact, we've been, they've removed our choice. They've removed our choice in medicine. I was confined to a hospital and not allowed to leave. And they didn't know what was wrong. My daughter, they told me that they could take custody of her. Because they wanted to do, she had a thyroid that was enlarged at 16 years old, and they wanted to do an EKG. And I had to give my credit card when I, when I got into the hospital. We were in Naples, Florida. Okay? And I said, I don't really see why we need the EKG on this 12-year-old. And they explained, well, it's rare, but it could be this. And I go, well, then why don't we wait for the blood work that you have that will rule it out? And they go, we can take custody of the child and do what we want. So we've, we've lost our ability to really make decisions in the what would you call it, the hospital system or the... Medical system. Medical system, the mass medical system of the country. Disease care system. So we say yes to a lot of things we don't understand. And in dentistry, patients say no to things that they don't understand the ramifications of. And it's because treatment is often presented chair-side. And maybe the most audiovisual you get is an intraoral camera photo. And you can't make good decisions. With intraoral camera photos, you're getting single-tooth decisions. You don't know how it affects the entire chewing system, which the chewing system then affects so many other systems of the body because it is part of the teeth, the part of the body, and at the tip of the iceberg. So aren't you excited about the possible future you have? You know I am. Yeah. And there's some things that I really love about your practice, and one of them is that you have a team that reflects your values. Yes. And you got a great husband that, ref- that you both make a great team. You both yes. make a great team, and yeah. everything about your office is about relationships. Now, I ask you today to get serious and write down your philosophy. So just give me some highlights. What's your philosophy of care? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't really have an easy time with this. I don't know why I can't just put it into a sentence or put it into words easily, but, I mean, it, it's centered around high ethical standards and patient-focused care and relationship building, and I just couldn't find sentence that ha- is catchy that puts all that together so it doesn't I, have to be catchy i know uh, but i want it to be that was I pretty want good it. right there <laughs> i think but it's that, that's what that's what it is i just need to formulate it together into one cohesive sentence that sounds nice to my ears i guess you know there's something whenever i was okay i just remember this so whenever i was making the transition to private full private care i had taken my philosophy and put it into a sentence so here we've got a whole page, maybe two pages of, of writing. 
that I said one sentence, which was individualized care through every stage of life. And then what I did is I created a this shield, you know, like a, a knight's shield. And in the shield, there were symbols that represented the main aspects of my philosophy. So I wouldn't have to remember, even though I wrote that philosophy, I wouldn't have to remember that philosophy. I can look at that picture and instantly have the emotion that I have when I wrote out that philosophy, when I think about what my philosophy of care is. And it would keep me in the right energy state that I wanted to be in. And there's a lot of things I didn't know I did uh, until Robert came and was working at the practice or coming up for Red Seas. He'd come and observe for a day or two afterward. And maybe I'd be presenting a big case or something like that. He goes, I'm staying for that. And he'd stay, hang out in the room. And he goes, do you know? So I keep a lot of books out. And the ladies will put them all back on the shelf. And then pretty soon they're all out over the table again. But anytime I have a minute, I'll go in and dip in these books into these truths, into these books of philosophy that I also believe in, but are pretty lofty and hard to live by. You know, you've got to really structure your life to live by some of these standards. But I dip into them all day long and keep my mind focused on that type of living and that type of belief system. And where your focus goes, your energy flows, and you're more likely to be living that life and practicing at that level of dentistry if you keep those people around you, those mm-hmm. timeless people that are in the books. Yeah, you also yeah. kept a binder of, of writings of people that you love to follow, too. And I started doing that after seeing you do that. You, you, you kept clips of little things that you found and you would sit there and read through those too throughout the day you just thumb through there find something that worked for where you were and your energy level at that time and you'd read through it or what was going on with your patient and i thought that was one of the neatest things to to see you do too yeah some of those have trickled into these manuals that you have now the uh, new patient experience one and two manuals some of those articles are in there it's like a vision board of words exactly yeah I like that. Well, prank call time. Yeah, you want to call somebody? That's usually what we do at this part of the show is we just prank call somebody. Who do you want to call? No, I'm just kidding. We're not calling anybody. Rob, come on. We're not calling anybody. It's not that late. Rob likes to call people and say, you know, your refrigerator's running or one of these <laughs> stupid jokes. I guess, you know, in Mississippi, that's funny. <laughs> but. What else you got to do in Mississippi? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, know. There's not a lot of things for us to do on there. We got to aggravate people. Yeah. Oh. Well, thanks for toes. being thanks for being on the the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it's it. It's pretty easy, wasn't it? Yeah. And fun. Yes. Kind of fun to be Very. on. So. And uh, special thanks to Robert P. Thornton. It's not his middle name, but that's what my kids call it, Robert P. Thornton. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know it why. Doesn't I it flow. It just, I, I it just flows. You'll ha- I'll have to ask my oldest son what the P stands for, so I, use your I imagination. Have, I have too many nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having okay. us.